Welcome to the Green Edge Podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 7th of July 2023. This week's Green Edge post is called Of Lights Hiding Beneath Bushels. And in it, we're taking a detour around the obvious green skills like retrofitting and thinking more about the less obvious ones and where they might be found. Michael, what's the point we're making here? As everyone knows, we try and collate the data from green skills and green jobs and add them up and make sense of them. There was something that was sort of irritating us and worrying us a little bit. So we thought we'd go back to base camp and look at green legislation that mandated change, i.e. baking in climate change targets and the move to net zero. And that's the case in 27 countries. So we just take the UK, which is our happy hunting ground, and we thought we'd actually then look at all the regulations, the guidance, the voluntary schemes that companies are signing up to. And there are a lot of those. And therefore, it leads you to the conclusion, all these companies are signing up. There must be more people in these companies with green skills or doing old tasks with a green tinge and focus than is being captured in the current counting of jobs. And in doing that piece of work, we also then said, well, there is the volunteer sector and the charity sector, which is very important. Community energy groups, there are over 300 across the UK. And if you take some of the big charities, like the wildlife trusts, there are about 46 charities that make up that grouping. And they have about 30 plus thousand volunteers a year. The RSPB has another 10,000 volunteers a year. The Woodland Trust, I think, has about 4,000 volunteers a year. So we started thinking, now, how are these numbers captured in the official count of green jobs? We're not clear. Now, when we come to the end of our thinking, we'll certainly put an interim post out. But we think the numbers engaging in green work is probably greater than the ONS actually currently counts. Now, for England, one of the potentially richest sources of skills information, green and otherwise and hidden and otherwise, are the Local Skills Improvement Plans, or LSIPs, which were due to be submitted to the Department for Education in the spring. And Michael, you've been having a dig around to see what's available so far. Yes, if our subscribers and listeners remember, we pulled together all of the existing local skills plans produced in 2022. Now, one of the easy things there was you could go on a centralised website run by the DfE and it listed all of the links to all 38 LEPs. Click on this, get the report, download the materials. So we thought, well, the DfE has been receiving the 38 LSIPs, Local Skills Improvement Plans, as of the end of May. There is no central listing of all these reports now available from the DfE. So we thought we'd actually go through every Chambers of Commerce, because they were the people gaining the money from the DfE to do the work, and we have worked our way through every one of them. Well, in three cases, it is very hard they ever touched an LSIP. They've probably received the money, and I'm sure they've done some work. We'll need to dig further. In a few cases, they have dedicated websites which is great. And a few others have got very easy to follow websites, intros in into the reports. The majority, though, it is a little bit of a task to really delve and find out. Other than the announcement back in 2022, they've been awarded the contract to do the work. Hopefully, and this is our little plea to the DFE here, they go back, create a single point where you can access all this information. Because if, if you take the awarding bodies, 
This is a critical bit of market information and intelligence to help them form their thinking and their plans. Come on, DFE, get those cats herded. And our usual reminder that you can find this week's post on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. We use the words green and skills a lot on the green edge. But two words we don't use enough are sustainability and competence. But these two words and the mindsets that lie behind them are perhaps more important than the words green and skill when we're thinking about what we really need for a net zero world. Thinking first about sustainability, it seems to us quite a common error that the words green and sustainable are often used interchangeably. In fact, like us, many people may use the G word when they might actually mean the S word. But the words have distinct meanings and implications. While green focuses on reducing environmental impact, the thinking behind sustainability is more holistic, addressing the interconnections between environmental, social and economic systems for the long-term well-being of the planet and a resilient and equitable future for all of its inhabitants, human and otherwise. We saw a clear implementation of the measures of sustainability in the corporate world when we ran our series of posts on B corporations last year. We learnt about the triple bottom line as a framework for measuring performance using the three Ps, people, planet and profit, in which the planet dimension aligns with green practices, while the other two Ps broaden the measurement out into ensuring that organisations and societies can remain functional in a greened and greening world. A closer look at B Corp's impact assessment tool shows that financial viability and the proper use of profits are critical to being labelled as sustainable. The assessment's worker category considers factors like fair compensation, benefits, training and development opportunities and worker ownership. Community consideration includes charitable giving, and the customer section looks at things like fair pricing and responsible marketing, all consistent with UN Sustainable Development Goal 8, promoting inclusive and sustainable economic growth, employment, and decent work for all, and all common sense, really. After all, in a money-driven world, we all need money to play the game. We could argue that much of sustainability comes down to the Goldilocks principle, This suggests that optimal outcomes or conditions often lie between two extremes. In the context of sustainability, we might apply the Goldilocks principle to find balances that ensure a long-term environmental, social and economic balance. A good example of where the principle might apply in the net zero transition is in setting a proper balance for green technology advancements. Here, Goldilocks might emphasise the need for green technology solutions, but without over-egging the role of technology to the extent that sectors like aviation are relying on as-yet undeveloped or unproven technology to get to net zero, without properly addressing other, more human-based factors like reducing the demand for flying. Moving on to this word competence, Many of the skills frameworks we look at not only describe what skills people should have, but also what they should be competent to do. The European Skills, Competence and Occupations Database, ESCO, describes the difference between competence and skills quite nicely. Using the same definition as the European Qualification Framework, it describes a competence as the proven ability to use knowledge, skills and personal abilities 
in work or study situations, and in professional and personal development. It goes on to give the example of a civil airline pilot who needs the competence to combine knowledge on emergency procedures and equipment malfunctions with skills on reading position coordinates and following the air route. This application of knowledge and skills takes place in a partly unpredictable setting where technical and organisational problems occur on a daily basis and where solutions have to be immediately identified and applied, either by the pilot alone or through team working with cabin crew or ground staff. Now, given that distinction, we've always thought it a pity that the ESCO database then goes on to mix skills and competences into the same data field without distinguishing one from the other. The public skills framework that we're seeing being used more than ESCO these days is the American ONET database. We've used it quite a bit ourselves, and it's comprehensive, containing over a thousand occupations and a near 360-degree view of occupational attributes, including almost 20,000 task statements. One data field that ONED doesn't include, though, is that of competence, although we are aware of several projects in the past and present that have used the Detailed Work Activity, or DWA, data field to indicate the things that a person needs to be able to do competently in order to be called competent in their chosen occupation. Up until 2019, ONET even had a separate set of data tables that described green DWAs. These included competences for green professions, for example, industrial ecologists, along with green competences that might be appropriate for what we might think of as non-green occupations, like freight forwarders analysing shipping routes or methods to determine the most environmentally friendly options. For some reason, ONET discontinued this green competence data, possibly triggered by its introduction of a new occupational classification around 2020. However, some may still find it a useful starting point for understanding the green responsibilities of quite a number of occupations, both green and non-green. So why are we labouring these two words? Well, it seems to us that much of the green skills education being thought about right now might do well to clarify its terminology and replace green with sustainability and skills with competences. We could speculate about future curricula, as we did in one of our recent posts on engineering apprenticeships, which might start with a core of sustainability and the principles of people, planet and profit, then build out from the core into specific engineering competences, like competences in design or research and development or manufacturing. Many of these would incorporate what we would then class as universal green skills around, say, the circular economy. Eventually, we hope, this labelling of skills, competences, jobs and occupations into green, sustainable or otherwise will become unnecessary as all occupations become inherently sustainable, staffed by job holders who are competent in all the tasks related to people, planet and profit to which they are assigned. And perhaps in the not-too-distant future, we might dispense with the term green jobs altogether and... Like the old joke about Chinese food in China being called food, simply talk about jobs. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.